Hi, this is the Anonacast, and I'm here in this state-run facility for women that's free, but it provides a safe place for women to go who uh, are in and out of the system and dealing with sobriety and making the uh, ourselves the best us that we can be, mothers or women or whatever. And my first uh, guest right here is... <laughs> Somebody that we won't say her name, and we won't say the name of this facility, but hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good. So you're going to be leaving here tomorrow, right? I'm leaving here tomorrow, um, after being here for 97 days. Okay, is that your clean date, is 97 days? Yeah, 97 days is is how long I've been clean, which is the longest I've been clean in seven years. Seven years, okay, how old are you? I'm 29. Okay, and what's your drug of choice? My drug of choice is meth. Um, I do drink alcohol as well, but... um, you know, it's kind of any mind-altering substance. Okay, so you sometimes people call that a garbage can. You'll just throw anything in there? Yeah, you know, like DMT, shrimp. Oh, that's my shit right there. Yeah, girl. I mean, it was... You know, but I don't have. I did shrooms one time. I stopped smoking meth for two weeks. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I I used um, psychedelics to get off of drugs Mm -hmm. a a few times, and and it does help and it does work. But um, unfortunately, in here, they don't even want to hear about my visions. What about you? Yeah, you know, not to say that, but they consider it a war story. And it's like, well, those are the only stories that I have are stories of my addiction, you know? Right. It's not that I'm glamorizing it, I'm just. It doesn't justify it, it just explains it. Right, I think so too. So, uh, do you feel like that you are in this place that you're at right now because uh, everything happens for a reason or maybe uh, what what led you to come in here? Um, What led me to come in here is the fact that I lost my mind. My sanity just completely left my body. There was nothing left in my head that that was able to look at anything logically my my state of mind had my perception looking one way and that one way was just it was a fantasy world and um and and i pretty much hit rock bottom lost everything how did you how did you know to self-admit or were you court ordered um i was so i self-admitted mm-hmm. um and then eventually um cws because course I got involved with child welfare services they said it was a necessity uh, and, and I you know the whole time that I was on drugs nobody once told me to go to rehab not once is it because you didn't have people around you strong enough to to face it or didn't want to offend you or were you like me and you had a lot of dirt bags around you I had a lot of dirt bags around me it's so lot. amazing yeah. how we trust these guys isn't it yeah and it's so crazy how they betray you every single time that you're with them and yet you still go back to them it's like stockholm syndrome yeah it's it's a really interesting isn't it funny how there's something about being treated bad after you know it's bad that feels comfortable to us i think it's because we grasp on well speaking for myself i grasp on to the to the good times you know you can treat me like dog shit but the moment you're nice to me i just grasp onto it and it just feels 10 times better than you know you're optimistic too yeah yeah we talked before a little bit about the psychosis Mm -hmm. and um the uh hallucinations that came with that do you want to talk about that uh i've never talked about it really before a lot of people get freaked out because i say it so nonchalantly but 
um, the the voices were were terrible. And what it sounded like, it's not like you know, I don't know if it's ever been explained, but when you hear voices, it sounds like it's coming from a distance. It's not in your head, you know. It sounds like it's coming from the sky, or you know, somebody's you know a mile away yelling at you, you know, and. Um, my, my thoughts were being broadcasted. Everything that I thought, I heard it out loud in another person's voice. Couldn't think at all, you know? Um, they were saying mean things about me. They said I stink. They said I was ugly. They said I was a nigger. They said I was, uh, you know, just all these crazy things. They would, and then it got worse. Um, and for six months straight, they, they opened up a new door, which was sexual perversion. So mind you, I'm having visual hallucinations as well as auditory hallucinations. Even when I close my eyes, I can see this other world of, it's black and white, but it, the images are so vivid. And they would, they would talk about pedophilia and, and, and convert their voices into my children's voices doing sexual things, oh, you know? Scary. And then at the same time, I'm closing my eyes or I'm looking and then I see sex scenes, of, like animated sex scenes. It was terrible. So that caused me a couple times to run to my mom's house because my mom had my children. Mm -hmm. I would run to her house and bang on her door, demanding to see my kids because I was worried that they were, yeah. that they were, oh my God. I can't, I Something was happening to them. Yeah. So... I prayed a lot about it. Eventually, it stopped after about six months. And then they just started fucking with me, just bugging me. You know what I mean? But it, it brainwashed my mind so much to where I didn't want to be around children. Mm -hmm. um, my, my mind started to have, like, sexual Tourette's. Like, I would read something. If it said moist, I would say. My mind would go pussy. You yeah. know, like moist pussy. Like my my mind was just polluted with filthy things, and um, and I can't explain how difficult that is. How um, did you have to be up for like on a long run before this would happen, or would it be like right when you hit the pipe, or what? Um, I'm pretty sure that's how it started, but it just became an everyday thing, you know. And so, did you at what did you think you were schizophrenic, or did you think it was a meth? Um, I didn't think I was crazy really? because I really truly believed these things that I was, I was thinking about. So did you, um, at no point were you like, maybe the drugs has something <laughs> to do with that? Um, yeah, but you know, the thing about having schizophrenia, well, I've been diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder just because, um, I no longer have the drugs in my body and I'm still having symptoms. I don't know. That's what doctors say. But, right. Right. Um, the thing about it is that you can do the same thing every single day, trip off the same thing every single day, and not realize it. So one day I would say, damn, it's the meth. And then the next day I would say, damn, it's the meth. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, damn, it's the meth. So, but, it, the, but the meth is too strong to put it down, right? It's, it's, it's <laughs> habit. It's habit. You know, I can't. And that does take over your brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they say there's... Um, like entities in and actually in labs when they when they send a drug that got confiscated or whatever um to to verify that that's what it is they look under a microscope and they there's it's different crystals are are shaped as to like they know it's heroin because it looks like th this kind of crystal under the microscope and 
a lot of people think that all crystals hold um, power or uh, or different entities in them. Like, do you feel like that? That there's any kind of um, like demons in them or yeah i think every drug carries its own demons for sure if they're not demons then they're definitely impure spirits you know yeah. um i i'm a def i'm definitely a, a, a spiritual person mm-hmm. and and demons are real demons do exist they're they're so evil and they're so conniving trip out i would even get they would say these sexual things to me and then my body my my woman parts would feel like they were gonna orgasm you know what i mean so then you have guilt associated with it too that you are reacting and responding to it the thing is is that i don't think that was on me you know it's really weird and i still have the dreams to this day in the dreams these these weird just people and they'll they'll have like they just don't look human they would they'll have um They'll say something and then my body will start feeling like it's going to orgasm. It's like a sexual spirit, you know? Wow. I don't know if you've heard, but they call it, um, they call it, um, I don't want to offend anybody, but, you know, they call it queer juice sometimes. What, meth? Yeah, meth. A lot of people, a lot of guys that I hung around started, you know, messing around with one another. Meth makes you do crazy things, man. Yeah, it maybe it takes you to a dark place. So, um, you never had any voices before the drugs. Never. And then, um, how often do you have it now? It's every day. It's every day, but they're seldom. You know, I I can't hear them that much. It mostly happens at nighttime when I'm gonna go to sleep. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you take medication? I do. I don't take any antipsychotics though, just because you know they don't work. Um, but the other medication I'm on, it kind of keeps my emotions in check. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. I, I don't really know how I got here, but I'm telling you, I'm surprised I'm not burnt from how burnt I was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Explain that. I mean, I was a crazy person walking on the street, talking to herself, you know, paranoid all the time, running after, you know, away from nothing. Um, meeting random people thinking that they were messengers from God, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, one is either a messenger from God or from the devil, right? Two guys, I met two guys, and I thought these two guys, I thought I was in a coma, and that all of a sudden I'm in this world that is between life and death. And I met these two guys in the same day, and they both convinced me to sleep with them in order to, in order to survive this whatever world. Two guys that I just met. And I totally fell for it. And I, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was messed up. But was there some kind of reprieve when you were first, like, accepted their kindness that you felt good with them? I felt safe. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what it's, it, to me, it's a lot about feeling safe. hmm You know? So I, what makes you feel safe to go now? Because your last day is here tomorrow, right? Yeah. Um, well, you know what? It's because I came to the realization that I need to stop doubting myself. There you go. You know, talking about a, nothing but addiction in a place like this, it gets tiresome. Right. You know, and, and it kind of, it's like they don't prepare you to, to be strong, to go out. They want you, you know, to think about recovery every single time you leave treatment. Think about recovery. Think about recovery. I'm the kind of person that I want to just, you know, I just want to go. I just want to go and live life. I just... I don't know. 
I, I really can't explain it. I, I was doubting myself too much. So, so where are you going to go? I'm going to go to a sober living. There you go. Yeah, sober living. <laughs> you know, um, it's going to work out. Yeah, for sure. And that's yeah. how we manifest things to make them work out is to to um have that at the that manifestation at the forefront and you mm-hmm. know make it make it true because we say it's true so mm-hmm. i like that like i i was drawn to your spirit when i first came here because i i was like is that girl staff here because i thought you were too smart really yeah oh I my god i thought you were too smart to be one of us oh wow <laughs> thank you nope i'm one of you <laughs> yeah all rolled up in one trust me uh-huh and probably one of the best stories, um, but the first one I've asked to, to talk to me, because I just, um, I felt for a long time that my story um, and just like injustices that happen mm-hmm. would help other people if I talked about mine, but it's hard to when you are trying to move forward with and not have that old story be defining you, you know, mm-hmm. but people are real careful about, about uh how to how to navigate around that because they don't want to trigger us and stuff but I think this is a good medium a good platform for us to talk about what we want to and then what you don't want to you don't have to so um yeah being realistic being realistic about mm -hmm. addiction and what comes with it you know a lot of there's a lot of scrutiny when it comes to addiction you know everything you do is your fault well, you should have stopped using drugs mm-hmm. they I think mean, it's a moral disease yeah i mean when you're in addiction it's life or death so the decisions that you make to survive you know quote unquote yeah they're pretty demeaning right that's what i always say is that um no person should judge another person what they're doing in their survival mm-hmm. right because who knows you know I never thought I would have kids and then have someone have not be the primary take caretaker mm-hmm. for them. And I looked at other women that that had that situation and I judged them, but I've definitely become that woman for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not a bad person for it, you know. You either. Everything works out for the greater good. I strongly believe that. And you know what? Somebody just might be on their journey which is completely different from ours. This is probably what had to happen to that person right. in order for their life to change for the better. I, it just is, it trips me out that you were in um, such a state of mind that you were and you still had the sense to get yourself here. You know, like mm-hmm. what made you make the phone call? Where were you at? What were you doing? Um, you know what? I was with one of my exes. I'm 29. I was with a 61 year old man. And he became abusive. And this is when I left another treatment center. So I, okay. I went out again for three days. Okay. And um, how much sobriety time did you have that time? Two weeks. Okay. Uh huh. So you so just detoxed. Yeah, I went okay. out again for three days. And um, and I called the place that we're at. I called them and they said that we have a bed tomorrow. Wow. And I came and I haven't left since. That's great. Do you still talk to the ex? Seldomly, yeah, you know, he's convinced me that I should feel bad because all the things that he's done for me, which he has, um, but he's putting too much importance on himself in my life, you know, so it's a really hard relationship to end, but, um, you know, I mean, I have to, right? Yeah, yeah, um, let's see, so, um, oh, have you ever been to jail? Yeah, several <laughs> times, of course. Um, the longest I did was six days, though. Okay. But, um... What did you get arrested for? <laughs> I got arrested for a DUI. I got arrested, um, 
for being combative against an officer. <laughs> I got a possession of a controlled substance. You got a, a, arrested for that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I got arrested for... I had a bench warrant. And okay. then when they picked me up, I just, you know. Okay. Um, and the crazy thing is, is that I got charged also with child abuse from um, having a, a confrontation with my sister who was 17 at the time. Oh, so how old were you? Um, I was 27. So, um, is, yeah. Is that forever on your record? I'm getting charged with it. It's still in the in the mix, though. So. Do you think that this uh, ninety days here will help your case? Um, I don't think so. I don't. I'm not sure. Honestly, I've been praying a lot about it, but from what I've heard, is that the prosecutors are not willing to drop that case. So, what about if your sister did? My sister's not pressing charges. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. They they picked it up. Did you fuck her up? No, 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 no. Uh, I don't want to go into all the details, okay. but okay, yeah. All right, so let's see. Um, what's this grossest thing you've ever woke up with on you? The grossest thing I've ever woke up with? Yeah, or just like wake up to this. Um, I woke up one time to my dealer smelling my asshole. <laughs> That's such a good question. I'm serious. I woke up and he was straight up sniffing my asshole. Were your pants on? My pants were on. <laughs> it was just like a dog right there. Yeah, but like face deep in my butt. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing, but I woke up and I was like, what the fuck? And he's like, what? And just like kept trying to smell my butt. <laughs> That's, That's so, awesome. That's and of awesome. course, I'm in psychosis, so I'm thinking he's smelling my butt to gain some sort of powers in order to <laughs> yeah, you know, your torture me. <laughs> some crazy powers. <laughs> I mean, we know that. Yeah, no, I have to say by far that's the craziest thing I've ever woken up to. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't write that up. Okay, let's see. Uh, how long, it, as long as you've ever been awake? Six days. Okay. Uh, Six days. What is the most, what's the craziest thing that you thought you saw was, was there, but really wasn't? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, so, I saw... It was a man, he was, he looked like a hologram and he was dressed as a soldier and in his hand, what he held was, it looked like a whole bunch of naked people spinning around, spinning around, spinning around in agony and he was just holding it like this. Wow. Yeah. He was in the corner. I will never forget. He was a black guy. He had on army pants and then like a shirt, but kind of like what they look like in boot camp. Uh Um, And he was just spinning this these people crazy mm-hmm. yeah do you have any experience with the military or no where uh okay so let me see i'm gonna ask you oh my gosh we'll edit okay okay subject a so you we talked before about uh what about the part where the addiction brain, I call it, was stronger than the terrible, terrible things that was going through your was going through your head, and um, those unfortunate like things that you say now with the cognitive thinking, and uh, people get offended that something like that even went through your head. So, what about this 
crystal meth stuff that everybody knows is bad for you that you know it tears families apart and obviously made you suffer really bad like what about that is so good that made you keep doing it knowing that it's not helping your situation um it was just habit it became a habit after that um my body didn't feel right if I didn't have it. And it's, I, I know it's kind of contradicting that I said that I was totally out of my mind, but I was even more out of my mind if I didn't have it. You know, it, it snapped something in my brain that made me think straight. You know, it, it, I can still be aware of, of myself and my surroundings and, uh, and then my environment. That's all I, I, I began to, it's like all I knew. You know, it had been so consistent for a substantial amount of time that I didn't really know how to adjust back to not having it. So um, you've said that you have family in the area. Were you literally homeless on the streets or were you like how long did you slept outside like that? I slept outside twice again with those those men that I told you that convinced (laughs) me to sleep with them. Um, But I would sleep at my dealer's house almost every single day. This is the guy who I woke up to smelling my butt. <laughs> and um, I was terrified to go to my family's house. I was scared. Why was that? Because um, I was a mess. So I was a mess. shame? It's definitely ashamed. Um, my mom put a restraining order out on me so I couldn't even go to her house anymore. Um, she actually moved away and didn't tell me where she, where she stays. I still don't know where she stays to this day. Do you think that you'll rekindle that or make amends? Yeah, no, sure. we definitely made amends now. Okay. Um, now it's just going to be a process to get all, the, all these things lifted. But of course, I have to earn her trust back, the trust of many, you know. And um, Right, because when's your clean date? It's still t- 2021, right? 2021, okay. yeah. February 3rd. Okay. Clean date. Hey, but you know what? You got longer than me. I like that. Really? It's good, yeah. Oh my yeah. God, you're going to get there. I yeah. swear you're more put together than I am. Well, we're not judging each other in here, right? <laughs> so, um, so there's a sickness part of it, right? When you come down off of the meth, yeah. So is. even if you, if you're tired enough to go to sleep, right? You're not on it, or are you? You're not. So, you're not. what makes you um, even be able to sleep at all? Like, um, it's because you have to. Your body just runs out of the energy to keep you going. And it's not like, a, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to lay down. It's an unexplainable type of tired. Like, Crash. you're so tired that you want to cry. You know, like, you could be walking down the street and just say, fuck it. I'm just going to lay down on this grass. That's how tired you are. So you run till you can't go anymore. You run till you can't go no more. And then you just run constantly that you just you have to crash. And then when you wake up, what makes you say... I want to go to get a newspaper and a coffee and and look for a job or go get meth. Like, what? How's your thought process in the morning? Does it ever even cross your mind to do anything but meth? No, because when you wake up, meth is right there. When you wake up, meth is there, and and it's just like drinking coffee. You know, it just it doesn't even really get you high either. It's just. It's like a daily vitamin. It's your baseline, right? Yeah. Yeah, I had, I had, um, I I can agree with you. And I I definitely thought, I convinced myself that, that that was keeping me 
keeping my cognitive ability like is there is a reason why we start it right and and a lot of like college students will try Adderall because they have a test coming up and the mental clarity that comes with uh, Adderall is just crystal meth but on a slow uh, smaller scale right so yeah um, the the sharpness that you have when you first start doing it is like not touched by any other right mm-hmm. and and that's what kind of what I was saying it's contradicting that I, I, my, I lost my mind because of meth but at the same time when I smoked meth my my mind just was it was right you know my cognitive thinking it it was there but not there you know what I mean and um, it, it's it's really a hate love relationship right that's why I said I when you said that you weren't taking the antipsychotics. I said good because I feel like that we should give ourselves a little bit of time to heal and mm-hmm. figure out what our baseline is because um, this early in our sobriety, you know, this is a 90-day program. Like, of course, we're going to have those ups and downs and everything, but the baseline to, you know, we might go to the doctor on a low day and the doctor's like, oh, here's some, here's some Prozac. And then the next day we might have you know, a couple of good days after that and think, oh, maybe it's working. And then uh, the next time we see the doctor, we're having a couple of bad days. And so then he ups it again. And when we could have just maybe did some nutrition or did some Zumba. Yeah, that's another factor that definitely played into the psychosis is that you're not getting the nutrition that you need. You're not eating right if at all. You're not sleeping, and that itself, I convinced myself it wasn't a myth. It was because I needed more sleep, right. I needed more food, I needed vitamins, I needed probiotics, you know? Um, not the myth. Right. Not the myth. Right. No, it wasn't the myth. Yeah, it never is, and it's never, <laughs> it's never our fault. Although there is something to say about uh, once you're in your addiction that it does take over, and yeah, we have choices at the beginning, but our brain chemistry changes in the pineal gland part of it to where and I learned this from I'm going to reference something in case anybody um is going to fact check me because I learned it from that those movies that they show us the one called memo to self I can't remember the guy's name but he was a navy doctor and he explains about addiction but um how the pineal gland is like the caveman part of our brain that just is fight or flight or not you know the homeostasis isn't there and, and so like we're we're telling ourselves that or, or the the drug has gotten hold of our brain to where it thinks that we need it for survival like food shelter you know and running from a bear and so we really don't have a choice at some point and um what do you say about the way that the country is set up to punish addicts because basically, I mean, you, it's, it's illegal to be an addict and there's not a lot of resources for people like us that are trying to make our life better. And um, like here, we don't have a lot of vegetables because it's funded by the state and they're doing what they, what they can, to, you know, doing the best that they can, but they're constrained by their budget. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think could improve in the way that the addiction model is run in this country um i definitely think that as addicts our rights are completely taken away from us you know we don't have the right to an emergency we don't have the right to go to the doctor because anything anything that's wrong with us it's due to our addiction you know what i mean 
um, at least from my experience. But the moment that they take your blood at the doctor's office, you're, you're on drugs. Bam. They just want to get you out, 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 out. What do you mean you can't have an emergency? You can't have an emergency. I've called, and, and this is the interesting part. Um, during my addiction, of course, I didn't keep a stable home, right? Mm -hmm. So my oldest child started, experience, started experiencing some behavioral health concerns. Um, he was violent. He was a danger to himself and others. He eloped one time and had the helicopters started looking for him. And one time I was with him, and he was crying after he had ran away and I found him and he said mom I just I want to kill myself and so not just for addicts for people with behavioral health issues because the police had to be called a few times per which is a um, behavioral health officer who comes and assesses the patient or the the person being called on and decides if they need to go to the hospital or not um, so I called I called the authorities and I told them look, please come get my son, take him to Children's Hospital so he can get evaluated. He just said he wanted to kill himself. Ma'am, nobody's going to come and get your son right now. We've already had several calls about this, and I kid you not, this is a woman on an officer or a dispatcher telling me that she was not going to come get my son, who was 11 at the time, who wanted to commit suicide. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's really unfair. Is it because there was... Uh, several calls out of your house or because why uh, because he had behavioral issues so he would get violent a lot even the school would have to call the perk team he would just act out violently and I can't blame anybody for myself for the environment that I put him in um, just a update he's he's definitely he's so much better um, has, doesn't have those problems anymore. That's good. Even the police got sick of him and they got sick of me going to the hospital all the time saying that I was hearing voices and stuff. Mm -hmm. And not once, like I said, not once said, maybe you should go to rehab, maybe you should stop smoking meth. Because even though I had an idea that it might have been meth, I think if somebody would have said, maybe you should go to rehab, I didn't think about going to rehab not one time except for recently when I, you know, when it got terrible to where. Warren, you have. So, uh, when were you ever suicidal when you went in? You yourself? No, no. So you were going because you were scared because of what you were hearing. I was terrified. I was terrified, and and they were so realistic, and I didn't know what to think. You know, um, like I said, demons are real, and they can trick your mind into seeing anything that they want you to see. Wow. That's crazy. About um, I'm sorry that you went through that. Um, I don't know what to say after that. Uh -huh. We can edit it. We can edit it for sure. So thank you for talking to me today. And I think that you have a really powerful story, but it's not done. Like your healing journey is for sure. Just like this is the very beginning of it. And uh, I think it's really powerful and like, I'm sorry that everything that you went through, but I think that, you know, it's good that like our paths met for a reason for sure. I believe that. And Definitely. is there anything else that you want to talk about that you, or, or set the record straight for any of them haters out there or anything <laughs> like that? Fuck the haters. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, to those who don't struggle with addiction, um, I know it's hard to deal with us, especially when we're not thinking, you know, thinking clearly. 
Um, but every addict needs that one person that doesn't give up on them, at least one. And, and just know that they're not in their right state of mind right there. You kind of just have to love them anyways. Love them with all your heart. If you walk away, you can walk away, but don't take your heart with you. You know, mm -hmm. keep it in the game so that person knows that somebody is in their corner. Because the worst thing to do is to come to rehab and say you have nobody. And to be blamed for having nobody. To, 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 for it to be your fault. And then you have to deal with that, you know. So, um, and if you're an addict... You know, I really can't tell you. I, I don't even know what I would say to another addict. Just you know, when it's their time, I would, there's I would, resources. I would just listen. You know, mm -hmm. I, all I can say to the addict, another addict, is that um, I hope somebody listens to you. Right. And that they have a safe place to go. It's, yeah. I was just told today that this is, our state is like, in California, it is way leaps and bounds ahead of other states as far as, uh, resources and stuff mm -hmm. and we got a long ways to go we we know that in here yeah so uh, yeah they have a lot of resources out here it may not be five star but um i've seen so many ladies leave here and they come back and the look on their face is just you know desperation you know if they, they need help we need help um, do you feel like you're leaving without uh, you can't you said you came in here with nobody but you feel like you're leaving with nobody no I got bitches now. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm about to have you sign my yearbook right, right now. <laughs> right? You know, I made a yeah, lot, we'll keep a in lot touch of for good sure. women here. Yeah, no, please. And, and, you know, I wish you nothing but the best with this, you too. this whole project. I really hope it changed people's lives and people feel brave enough to talk about it because there's there's no shame in, in you know, coming Getting out better, this battle of right? addiction. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're going to do it. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs>